Daniel chapter number 6, and it's good to be here. I know that you don't know me, and I don't know you, but if we know Him, that's all that matters. Amen. Daniel chapter 6, I do. I really am honored to be here. I, I've known Pastor Marshall a long time. My dad pastors in East Prairie, Missouri, which is on the southeast corner, uh, just south of Sykeston, if you know where Sykeston's at. He's pastored there a long time, and, um, and so Brother Marshall came when I was a kid and preached a revival there, and then I got reacquainted with the pastor when I was in Bible college, and I really appreciate your pastor. I know you know that, but he's used of God in a lot of places, and I'm thankful for that, and it's a joy to be here. Uh, my wife, Allie, and then our son, Luke, is probably kicking and screaming in the nursery right now, but he's back there doing something, and uh, he's honorary sometimes, but I'm, we're thankful to be here, and it got a nice place to stay. Thank you for that. And the gift basket and all that's just wonderful. And uh, Daniel chapter number 6 says, Me and my wife, we got married in August of 2018. I graduated Bible college in May of 2019. And then we went to evangelism in December of 2019. And it's been a great ride so far. Hopefully no more COVID. And we'll keep on going strong after that. Uh, but you know that. Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 20. Uh, verse number 20. Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 20. And we'll read this one verse and I'll pray and you can be seated and we'll give you the message tonight. Daniel 6 and verse number 20. If you're there, say amen. amen. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? I want to quote you a verse out of Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 where the Bible says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. In Daniel chapter 6 and verse 20, Darius comes to Daniel. You, we'll cover this. You know this passage. But he comes to Daniel and says this in verse 20, Daniel, is thy God able to deliver thee? And then there's a question mark at the end of that verse. And for a few moments tonight, I want to preach on this thought. Is thy God able? Let's pray and you can be seated. Father, thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have to be in this place tonight. Thank you, Lord, for those who've come. And Lord, we come asking, Lord, and desiring for you to fill us with the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, I have no idea what this church needs, what these uh, people need tonight, but you do. Lord, I pray that you'd help us now as we preach the Word of God, give us strength, and may we leave this place strengthened and better because we've been here tonight. Be with this uh, dear pastor as he's away and his wife. And bless them as they come home at the appointed time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. In Daniel chapter number 6, Darius has just became the new king in Babylon. As he gains the power, he begins to make some moves and do some things. Look back at verse number 1 where it says, It pleased Darius to sit over the kingdom and 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. 
And the king thought to sit over him, over uh, the whole realm. As Darius is the new king, he begins to make some moves, make some changes, if you will. He sits over 120 uh, princes to, to look over the lamb. And then he sets three presidents over them. And one in particular named Daniel, he notices something about Daniel's life in verse number 3, where it says, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents, and the princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. Darius noticed something about Daniel and could say, I I like what's in Daniel's life. He has an excellent spirit about him. That's a good testimony to have. We would all agree with that. No doubt Daniel has lived for God. All the way back in chapter number 1, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. So for a long time, years, Daniel has walked with God and has an excellent spirit about him. Too many times we as saved people do not have the excellent spirit. We a lot of times have a bad spirit. A lot of churches, I preach in a lot of churches, and and you walk into some places and it looks like they're mad that they're there. It's like their mother-in-law just moved in and ain't moving out. It's what it seems like for some of them people. And and I'm a, I've been raised an independent, fundamental Baptist my whole life, and I know how to fake a smile. And the least we could do when we come to God's house is fake a smile, act like we're happy to be here. We should be happy when we come to God's house. There's something to be excited about. Hey, the, the worst thing we have as saved people is dying and going to heaven. It don't get much worse than that, does it? I mean, we've got something to be excited about. And Daniel has an excellent spirit about him. No doubt that's a good character in Daniel's life. He was preferred above the others. And Darius noticed something about Daniel that caused him to rise him in a rank. They say Daniel was around 80 years old at this time. That's getting later in years. And a long time Daniel has lived and walked with God and honored God and had this excellent spirit about him. They say that this position Daniel was in would be like a modern day prime minister, somebody who is second in power, has a lot of authority in his life. But there's several things we'll notice from this chapter tonight. Number one, we see wicked desires. Look at verse number four, wicked desires. The Bible says in verse four of Daniel six, then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Well, that's a pretty good testimony to have. We've got these men that come together and they're trying to find something in Daniel's life that they can accuse him of. They're searching, no doubt they're digging up Daniel's past. And they can't find no fault in his life. I don't like people that always try to dig up others' past. Always try to find something to dig up and to try to get the upper step in another brother or sister in Christ. And these men have wicked desires. Their desire is to kill Daniel. Their desire is to get rid of Daniel. Daniel was just faithful. Look at verse number four, that latter phrase. For as much as he was faithful... Neither was there any error or fault found in him. All they could look and find was, he's just faithful. 
Well, that's a good testimony to have. We're trying to find error. We're trying to find fault. And we can't find any with Daniel. He's just a faithful man. They could not find any error in his life. These men that have come together, the presidents and the princes, 122 different men coming together trying to overthrow Daniel. These men have wicked desires. No doubt these desires are filled with envy. They're motivated through and with envy. These men don't like Daniel. Daniel's just living for God. Daniel's just faithful. Daniel's just serving the Lord. Daniel's faithful to to Darius. Daniel's just doing what he's been asked to do and These men don't like Daniel. Maybe their motivation was financially motivated. They wanted to get rid of Daniel so maybe they could have more for themselves. Envy and jealousy will destroy people's lives. You know what what an envious and jealous person is? They can't be happy for anybody else. They can't be happy that God was blessing Daniel. They just can't be happy that, hey... There's something about Daniel. Maybe they could have looked at Daniel and said, hey, I want to be kind of more like Daniel and not more like me. I, I, I see something in his life. He's just faithful. We can't find fault in his life. And he's just serving the Lord. Envy and jealousy. We would all agree God was blessing the life of Daniel. God was using the life of Daniel. But these presidents and princes are seeking to find occasion in his life. God does not bless envy or jealousy. It is a prison that will cause an individual to be miserable in their life. They can never be happy for anybody else. Why? Because they're all about themselves. You, we would all agree we live in a me, me, me society. What's all about me and how can I get more money? How can I live in a nicer home? And how can I drive a nicer car? How can I trump uh, my neighbor? How can I get more than them? And it's all about me. How can I get more? And if God blesses somebody else, we can't be happy for them. We'll be jealous of them because we don't have what they have. And no doubt that's what's motivating these men in Daniel chapter number 6. is They're motivated through envy. They can't be team players. If you're saved, say amen tonight. That means we're on the Lord's team. That means we're on the winning side. And if God blesses another sister or brother in Christ, that means we should be happy for them because we're on the same team. But too many churches get divided because so-and-so gets mad at so-and-so and and they're not happy with them. And and it's all about me. How can I be recognized from the pulpit? And how can I be the one that sings a special? How can I be the one that gets noticed? And and it becomes all about me. And if God blesses somebody else, we're not happy uh, for them. Let me illustrate like this. I played basketball. I don't look like a basketball player. I know I'm real short, but I tried. I could dribble real low to the ground and didn't get the ball stolen. But my junior year of high school, my junior year, we had a a young man transfer in that he thought he was a star. He thought he was real good at basketball. He could dunk. I mean, you don't have to be a good basketball player to dunk a ball. I mean, you really don't have to be, but he thought he was real good. He could dunk. And and so he would try to show out and practice and thought he was the star and he should start and shoot all the shots and score all the points. And he thought he was all state. The paper was going to write about it. And he thought all that stuff. So we get into the season, organized basketball, and he wasn't very good. But he was all about himself. There was one game in particular. 
he came off the bench, we were getting destroyed. I mean, we were getting, we were getting our tails kicked. It was like 62 to 27, and it was horrible. And we get back to the locker room, and I'm upset that we lost. If, I, if we're going to play a game, we're going to do our best to win. And, and we did not win or get close to winning. But in the midst of the game, at the end of the game, this man, young man, dunked the ball. He got a breakaway and dunked it. And he, man, he was getting the crowd pumped. And we're like, nobody's going to stand up. We're getting beat by 45 points. Nobody's excited about that. But he was. We get back to the locker room and we're all like, oh, how, do we, how did that happen? We got to play better next time. And he gets in there and he's all like, did y'all see that? Did y'all see that dunk? And one of our guys said, I'm not going to mention his name. He said, bro, it's not all about you. We just got beat so bad, and you're coming here thinking you're big stuff because you scored two points. It's not about you. You're not a team player. Why are you even on this team if you're not going to be a team a player? He quit Monday. He didn't want to be a part of the team anymore. He quit. You know what I realized about, about him? It, it didn't matter if we won the game or not, because we did sometimes. He walked in there mad because he didn't get a player, didn't score. You know what I realized real quick with the gym? He was all about himself. It was me, and if I don't get this, I'm not going to be happy for anybody else. Inside, we, do, we should never let that happen inside of a church, but too many times it does. And people can't, if God uses somebody to sing a special and God moves in, and, and we ought to be happy about that, amen? But when I, when I get up to sing, and nobody tells me good job, and nobody clapped for me, and nobody came by and said that was the best special I ever heard, that happens all the time in churches. Hopefully, no, it doesn't happen in this one, no doubt about that. But some churches I go to, it happens all the time. And we become more about ourselves and more about us. And we ought to be all about Jesus Christ. If God uses us, we ought to be happy about that and say, it's not about me and it's not about you. It's all about Him. And if God uses us, it's all for His glory and for His honor. Hey, it's all about serving God. It's all about giving God the glory. He's the one that's been good to all of us. And these men are motivated through envy and jealousy. Then, then look back down here at verse number 5. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king, and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents, that's a lie because Daniel wasn't involved in this conversation. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. They're getting worse and worse and worse. They can't find the fault in Daniel, so they'll try to find it against his god. You know how it goes. They come to Darius. They began to butter up Darius. Oh, Darius, for 30 days. We're, we're not going to pray to anybody but you, Darius. Oh, all about you, Darius. Trying to pump Darius's head to get a little bit bigger than what it should be. And Darius, well, all we're going to do is, and if anybody does, please, they're assigned this decree. So if we catch them praying to any God but you, we'll cast them into that den of lions. And Darius, in verse number 9, wherefore King Darius signed the writing and the decree. These wicked desires are getting worse and worse and worse and worse. But number two, I like this point. We see Daniel's determination. 
Look at verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he knew this, that if he starts praying, there's a chance this could cost him his life. But look at verse 10. And the writing was signed. He went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Daniel had a determination in his soul that no matter what's going to happen, I'm just going to keep praying to my God. Daniel realizes that if I pray, this could cost me my life. But Daniel determined, I'd rather die serving my God and living for my God than bowing down and being a coward towards my God. And so Daniel determines in his heart that no matter what's going to happen, I know I may die, and I know it may not look good, but I'm just going to keep praying to my God. It's my God that's been good to me. It's my God that's clothed me and fed me and been good to me. I can't bow down to anybody else. What character he shows in his life three times a day, as he's always done. Daniel just kept on doing what he's always done. Even in the midst of a difficult situation, we would all agree that this is a difficult situation. If I pray and I get caught praying, I may very well lose my life for doing this. What faith Daniel has May we have the same courage in our hearts to keep on praying no matter what the world may do or say to us. James 5.17 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He prayed knowing that this could be the last prayer he ever prays, but I'm just going to pray anyway. Daniel knew that God had delivered before. If you back up to chapter number 3, Daniel knew all of this. Back in chapter number 3, the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would not bow down to Nebuchadnezzar. And so because they would not bow down, they'd be thrown into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. You know, Daniel knows all of this. Daniel has heard about all of this. And he knew God delivered for them. And he was trusting that God would deliver for him. He was trusting that God would do it again for his life. As we know in Daniel 3, God, I mean, God miraculously comes in that fire and Nebuchadnezzar looks in and says, did we not cast three men into the fire? There seems to be a fourth man. It looks as if it is the Son of God. It was the Son of God in that fire with them boys and God delivered them. And so Daniel knew that God could deliver. He knew that his God was able. And so I'm just going to do this because I know my God can deliver me. I know God has done it for others and I know God can do it for me. And you may be here tonight and you say, I have a big need. I know God's answered it for them and I know God's answered it for those, but could God answer it for me? I'm glad no matter what the prayer request may be, our God is able to deliver it. You see, I know God's answered prayers for our pastor before, but God can answer prayers for you. You see, I know God's brought the prodigal sons and daughters home for others, but could God do it for me? Oh, yes, God can do it for you. He was just going to do what he's always done, just keep on praying. While Daniel is praying, in verse 11, then these men, those men with wicked desires, here they come again, assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes 
and Persians which altereth not. According to that law of the Medes and the Persians, once he signed that decree, that meant there was no going back. Darius couldn't say, well, I changed my mind. I, I can't, we're not going to do that anymore. No, he signed that decree. That meant if they catch Daniel praying, Daniel must go into that den of lions. Number three, we see Darius's displeasure. Look at verse 14. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him and he labored to the going down of the sun to deliver him. Darius has a wake-up call in verse 14. He realizes, what have I done? This decree that I signed, he recognized that this could cost me, this would cost me to lose the best man Darius has over all of these, over the kingdom. No doubt Darius and Daniel have a friendship. No doubt there is a, there's a communication that they have probably on a daily basis. If Daniel is his number one man, no doubt there's a good relationship involved here. And Darius realizes, what have I done? This decision that I made not only affects, has, is going to affect me, but it's going to affect Daniel and Daniel's family and so many other people. May I remind all of us, Tonight, the decisions that we make not only affect us, but it affects other people that are around us. And this decision that Darius has made to sign that decree is now going to cost Daniel his life. Look at verse number 18. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Darius is up all night long and can't even sleep because of the choice that he's made. You ever been that way before? A decision that you made and you realize it's not a good decision and you can't even sleep at night? You're up all night long and he's probably pacing up and down thinking, how could I do this to Daniel? I wonder if God's going to deliver Daniel. If you, if you look at verse number 17, he said, Daniel's God, he'll deliver him. But no doubt Darius is wondering, is he really going to deliver him? And Darius all night long, no doubt, pacing back and forth, thinking, oh no, what have I done? I may cost Daniel his life. Then look at number four, we see the Savior's delivery in verse number 19 and 20. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Question mark. He's, is he able, Daniel? Look at verse 21. Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and, shut, uh, and, and has shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me for as much as before him innocency was found in me. And also before me, O king, have I done no hurt. The Bible says he very early, I don't know how early, but no doubt it was early. Darius probably makes a beeline to that den. And wondering in his mind the whole time, I hope Daniel is alive. Put yourself in that, in that setting. Can you imagine all the, the emotions and what's going on in Darius' mind? Thinking, I, I'm going to that den and 
I don't know if you'll talk back to me, but I just want to know, Daniel, is thy God able to deliver thee? And he, he asked that question, not knowing if he'll get a response back or not. He's hoping, no doubt, he's pl- I hope I get a response back. And here comes Daniel. Oh, yes, Darius, my God is able. <laughs> Can you imagine now the shock probably on Darius? Oh, wow, he was able. And no doubt the relief that comes over Darius's heart that I made this awful choice, but God delivered Daniel. Because you know why? Our God is able. This was a difficult thing. No doubt this was a hard task, but God was able to deliver. I can imagine Darius going, oh, Daniel, is thy God able? Maybe tears in his eyes, maybe heart pounding out of his chest, wondering, is he going to get a response back? And, And Daniel, oh, yeah, my God's able. He sent his angel in here to shut up the lion's mouth. They've done me no harm. I'm doing just fine, Darius. I'm living a good life, Darius. God's been good to all of us, hadn't he, Darius? Boy, ain't that amazing that no matter what we may go through in life, our God is able. Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is what? Able. To do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Our God is able. I'm thankful we serve an able God and we look back in Bible times and, and see all the handiwork of God. And, but we're in 2022. Is God really able And this hour to save my lost son or daughter? Oh, yes, our God is able. But preacher, we're in, we're in difficult times. Don't you realize you look across the world and the political world and, and how bad it is? We understand all that, but our God is able. You say, preacher, our marriage is, is, is getting real close to falling apart. Is God able to put our home back together? If he's done it before, he can do it again. And he can put that thing uh, back together. You may say, I've got a son, a daughter, grandson, granddaughter, niece, nephew, cousin, who's away from God. I don't know if we can get them back to the fold. You can't, but God can. And he's able to deliver them. No doubt there's rejoicing, shouting, knowing that our God is Able. Then look at the destruction of these men in verse 24. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them in the den of lions. Them, their children, and their wives, and the lions had the mastery of them, and break all their bones in pieces wherever they came at the bottom of the den. Wow. Plot twist. These guys think they're going to have Daniel put into that den. They had no idea they would be the ones that got put in the den. Studying for this message, I was reading several different commentaries, and I believe it was H.A. Ironside who said this, it was custom in these days before they would have someone or a prey thrown into that den that they would literally nearly starve the lions so that when the prey was thrown into the den they would devour them immediately. When Daniel got thrown in there, they were quiet. They weren't licking their lips when Daniel got in there. But when these princes and presidents got thrown in there, the Bible says had the mastery of them. Devoured them alive. How sad is it, all the way back in the beginning of the chapter, that envy and that jealousy would lead to them eventually dying. Not just them, 
The Bible says their wives and their children. Those wives didn't ask for that. Those, Brother Overturf, those children didn't ask for that. But the choice that their father made, they had to pay the punishment for the choice that their father made. How sad that is. All of because that envy and jealousy sprang up in their life that we don't like Daniel, we want Daniel, we want to get rid of Daniel, and they are the ones who pay the price for that. While Daniel is living a good life serving the Lord. Isn't it a good life serving God? Isn't it a wonderful thing that we get to serve an able and a delivering Savior? People tell me, Brother Jim, I've heard pastors say, I don't think revival is possible in 2022. I like to say with God, all things are possible. Are we going to have a nationwide revival? I don't know, but I know our God is able. Are we going to have a citywide, a churchwide? I don't know. I know this for sure. You can have a personal revival. And it can bleed over and bleed over. And there's no telling what God could do right here in St. Joseph, Missouri with this church and, and these people. Why? Because our God is able. And there are people in this town that need the gospel. Go give them the gospel. Why? Because our God's able. You say they're a hard case. They're messed up in sin and addictions. And I don't know if we can reach them. Oh, yes, you can. Why? Our God's able. I'm privileged to work in prison ministry a lot. I, I preach a lot in prisons and, and I've met a lot of crazy people in prison. But the Wolfram, you know that. There's some crazy people in the prison. But all the wonderful thing I've seen God transform men's lives. I, 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 I love nothing more than going to prison and seeing the big old tattooed pierced up guy come to the service and he's sitting back like he's tough guy and by the invitation he's crying at an altar getting saved. I love that. Why? Because our God is still able to save and change and do amazing things in this day and in this hour and there is no telling what God could do right here with your church. Why? Our God is able. Now unto him that is able. He did it for Daniel. He can do it for you. Our God is able. Back at, in the spring of 2020, I have an older brother. His name is Samuel. Samuel at that time was 29. and He and his wife are faithful to my dad's church, Victory Baptist Church, East Prairie, Missouri. Been faithful for years. Both of them raised in church. They, in April, they, in the end of March, they just had their first baby girl and their first child and they were all excited about, about that. and He's working a job and she's working a good job and they're able to purchase their first home as a couple together and, and move in and a brand new two-week-old baby girl and all the exciting things were going on in their life. Faithful to church, don't ever miss, givers. I mean, just good, what we call a good young couple in a church. But how many of you know good thing? Sometimes storms happen no matter who you are or what you are. Well, in April, he began to notice, of 2020, he began to notice some lumps that had come up on his neck. and He didn't think much about it. It went on for a couple of weeks, not thinking anything about those lumps that had come up. And He said, he works and lifts some equipment at, at work. And he said, I, I'd be lifting some stuff and I'd feel some pressure under my heart. And you know, I, I, didn't, I just kept on going with life, didn't think anything about it. Well, he talked to my mom and said, I, I, just, I haven't been feeling well the last several weeks. And I don't know what it is. And she said, well, you better just go, just go get a checkup. It wouldn't hurt just to go get a checkup at the doctor. And so he was going to go on a Monday to the doctor, and me and him were about his best friends, the best friends could be, and he told me about it. And I mean, we're just thinking nothing's wrong. 
And that was right when COVID was shutting the world down and nobody could go with you into a doctor's appointment and, and kind of still like that in some places. And he walked in on, the, on a Monday morning and goes to see the doctor. And the doctor looks at him and immediately shows serious signs of cancer. And he was shocked by that. They sent him up to Cape Girardeau, Missouri to have a, a body scan. And they do that scan. I mean, this is Monday, scans on Tuesday. And he gets results on Wednesday and he's on his way back. And he's, he was on his way. He had to go back to another appointment on a Wednesday and comes back and he's got the results. And he FaceTime and he's, he's bawling. His wife couldn't be in there with him and she, he hadn't told her yet. And he's just crying. And so they found a six-inch mass under my heart and lumps all up and down the left side of my body. He said, I don't know what it is. They're thinking it's lymphoma, Hodgkin's lymphoma, but they're not for sure yet. I've got to go tomorrow for a biopsy. And I mean, Monday, everything's fine. To Wednesday, his mind, am I going to live? Lord, I've got a baby girl. And Lord, we're just trying to serve you. And Lord, we're just trying to live for you. And all these things are just coming their way. Goes up for the biopsy, comes back, it's Hodgkin's lymphoma. The doctor did say, there's a good thing about this, it's one of the most treatable cancers that there is. And his mind, I'll be the percent that doesn't make it through this cancer. That's how we all, that's how we all, all operate. I'll be the percent that doesn't make it through. You talk about fear that crippled his heart. That he went weeks and had about two weeks and then he started chemo. And to watch him go through chemo was tough. Was off work for about 10, 11 months and body deteriorated. And I mean, he's down to nothing and just weak and throwing up and sick and can't go out in the sun and can't do this and all those things. And, but there was one verse that my dad preached from one night that he was watching live stream. And my dad got up to preach one night with a heavy heart over his son who has got cancer. Psalm 56 and verse number 3. What time I'm afraid... I will trust in thee. He said, I heard that verse. I've heard that verse all my life, but I heard it that night. And I grabbed a hold of, of that verse. They got a, pla- a big old plaque made and put it in their home. Caught that. Put a plaque and put it in their home. He said, every time I walked out of my bedroom, I, I noticed that plaque. What time I'm afraid, I'll trust in thee. He said, I'm not going to lie. Pastor Andrew, there were some times, he said, I, I went to my chemo treatment, so I was a little scared. But I said, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. And Lord, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how the end's going to work out. But Lord, I'll just just trust you. God worked and worked and got him through all of that. And his big concern was finances. Obviously, I'm not working. I'm not drawing any income. And he said it was amazing. In 2020, it was the best year that they ever had as a couple financially in 2020. Because God just sent it in. From strangers, from churches, from people he didn't even know. God just... God just Sent it in. January, uh, eight, uh, February of 2021, uh, he finished his chemo radiation, comes back, he was cancer-free. and Boy, he's happy about that, excited about that. Gets to go back to work. But all, God was still working behind the scenes in his heart. It was April of last year. He came to my dad on a Wednesday night and said, can I talk to you in the office after church? And dad, well, of course, son, of course, and Went back there and dad said, he just, my brother's not an emotional person. He broke down crying. My dad said, dad, I look back at the course of last year and all that God's done for me and my little girl and my wife and it's, it's all God, dad. And I'm just thankful. But dad, God's been convicting me. I made a profession of faith 
years ago, a long time ago, Dad, and that didn't stick. It wasn't real. And through all this time, God's been convicting me about being saved. And Dad, I'm tired of it. And I look back at what all God's done. If it took cancer for me to come to this realization, I would do it all over again. On that Wednesday night, he got saved. My dad's church. Never been the same since. And if he's here tonight, he would say, don't stop trusting God. Because God is able. One more illustration and I'll be through. There was a man in my dad's church named Tom. Tom Tennan. Tom was a hard truck driver. Worked it for, for years. We prayed for Tom to get saved. And finally, after years, Tom got saved. And boy, Tom's life, a complete 180. Faithful every service to church. Last year, Tom got real sick. Wasn't COVID related, but got real, real, real sick. The doctor said there's, literally, we've, we've done all that we can do for Tom. There's just, we can't do anymore. I'm close with his son. His son called me. I was on my way to the Queen, Arkansas to preach on a Sunday. It was a Saturday night. and His son Dalton called me and Dalton's crying on the other end of the phone and said, he, can't, he couldn't be there with his dad and said, I just got off the phone with the nurse. And they said, they've done about all they can do for dad. and They're going to give him another 24 hours and there's no improvement. I don't know. They're going to have to, we're going to have to make a tough decision. And he's weeping. He's 24 and his dad's in his mid-50s and just, just got saved. He's got a whole life in front of him. And I mean, he's discouraged and, and I'm distraught. And I didn't know what to say. I, I didn't, I mean, I'm only 25. I don't have much counsel experience. I didn't know what to say to him to help him. And we just prayed and said, remember what God did for Samuel last year? Let's just pray that God could do it for your dad. And we prayed and we got off the phone and I'm thinking, we're going to get a call about going to a funeral. It's going to be a sad funeral. Well, Monday, that was a Saturday night. Monday, he made a complete improvement. I mean, he's off the ventilator. He's talking again. And within a week and a half, he's back home, back sitting in church. And I say that tonight to tell you this. Our God is able. I don't know your needs tonight. I don't know what you're going through, but everybody in this room is going through something or you're going to go through something. And you may say, could God do it for me? Nobody wants cancer. Nobody wants to go to the doctor and get bad reports. Nobody wants to hear all of that. But may I remind us tonight, no matter what you're in, our God is able. He's an able God who can deliver from whatever storm, trial that you're in tonight. And remember this, there are sinners that need to be saved and you can reach them how? Because our God's able. There's no telling what God could do in this church if you'd come together in unity under the gospel and say, Lord, would you do it for our church? Lord, would you do it for my family and for my children? Why? Because our God is able. Father, thank you for the great honor and privilege to preach Lord, here tonight. Lord, I thank You for being so good to us. And Lord, I pray that You would work in this invitation tonight. And may we all have a renewed burden and a desire to walk with You. Because knowing this, we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Move tonight as only You see fit, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with your heads bowed, eyes closed as the pianist plays? Is thy God able... Darius comes to the den and says, Daniel, is thy God able? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, King, our God is able. And I don't know where you're in tonight, church, but our God's able. God's able to send revival right here. 
but you got to get a burden for it and say, Lord, right here in my heart, in my church, in my family, would you come through and do for us the impossible? He's a God that can do the impossible. You have a loved one that's away from the fold tonight. Our God's able to bring them back. Why don't you keep praying for them? Daniel kept on praying. When it was difficult, Daniel kept on praying. Keep on praying tonight. Mom, Dad, keep on praying. Our God is able to deliver.